Hey everyone, so quick disclaimer before this episode begins. So uh, by and large, this is going to be an uncensored episode, not because we talk about anything salacious or any F-bombs dropped or anything like that. Um, but as I had a chance to go back and listen and clean up a few things, um, I really just left the conversation as it was. And I say that because there's a few things I wish I would have said differently, or maybe I, there's actually a couple of things I wish I just wouldn't have said at all. And unfortunately, that's just how life goes. Um, but I wanted to leave those things in because this was a conversation between friends and before the conversation and after the conversation ended. I mean, that's that's where we are. Um, So really just wanted to invite you guys to listen and be a part of this conversation, because for me personally, whether it's our episodes on the Godzilla films or this here you know, we're not trying to present a manifesto. We're really just trying to open up the conversation. We're trying to invite people to the table, you know, to listen, to to dialogue and figure out what we can do uh, to help one another and really just, you know, build up this community. So if you haven't already stopped by this point, thank you. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts when you're done. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Building a Bridge, or I guess the Kaiju Apostle podcast, Building a Bridge edition. This is David. And if you listened to us last week, you're probably expecting uh, the episode for War of the Gargantuas. Um, That is coming. But as of today, being June 6th of the, uh, the year 2020, Chris and I were talking and we just felt like this was a little bit more important and by a little more important, um, quite a bit more important. So if you've been paying attention to anything at all, um, what's happening in the world is not uh, news to you. Um, We're going to get into details and our our, uh, thoughts about that a little bit more. But um, this episode is just really going to be dedicated to diving into the topic of racism um, getting into uh, the police systems in our country a bit as well. Um, I I understand that's probably, you know, a lot of you guys are listening to Godzilla podcast because you want to get away from that, right? And I, I completely understand that. Um, unfortunately, that's not something that we can really afford to do right now. Um, I don't think it's something that we need to just weigh ourselves down with incessantly. There needs to be some balance. But ultimately, this is important. People are hurting. People are crying out for help. And this is our chance to actually figure out how we can help. 
And as a podcast, we feel very strongly about it, not just because we care about humans, um, but because as Christians, we feel that if we are going to follow a Jewish man who was crucified for his beliefs, which is not that dissimilar to what happened to black men in the uh, early 1900s, but that's an aside point. Um, it's our job to say something as well. So we hope that as this conversation happens, um, we're, we're asking you to just try lowering your defenses. Maybe if this isn't something that, you know, you feel maybe the same way or as a strongly, because the goal of this conversation isn't to condemn anyone. The goal of this conversation isn't to, um, we really are trying to find a way to build a bridge here, but unfortunately sometimes that can be painful. Um, it can take time, but we do feel strongly enough about that to do this. Um, but lest you think I'm just some white guy trying to capitalize on what's happening right now, uh, I just wanted to share a very quick uh, story about myself to give you an idea of where I'm coming from. So I grew up in the Mormon church um, until so I, when I was young, and I left the church when I was about 20 years old. Um, the, one of the big catalysts, if not the biggest catalyst for that was recognizing, um, the latent racism within the, uh, history of the Mormon church and the beliefs. For me, uh, I just not only seen the way that slaves were treated and black and, uh, men and women were treated after, you know, the civil war, um, the way that God seemed to conveniently change his mind about certain things in the midst of the civil rights movement. Um, there was a lot of stuff happening there. And for me, I could not reconcile. I, I, I could not get myself to commit to a religion if it meant that I had to willingly hold on to these beliefs. Now, I wasn't raised in what most people would view as like a racist household, right? But I look back at what the church, what I heard in the these circles um, that now I realize were implicit, right? Um, concerns about mixed marriages. There were, um, again, you know, um, certain privileges within the church were not allowed until the civil rights movement. There's just, there's a list of things here that as a kid, I was never told, you know, you should hate black people, but there was enough going on to help guide my biases and prejudices towards not loving and caring for those who look different than myself. Um, I, I just, I say all that because this isn't something that is new for me. I have spent the past 10 years trying to repent and move past that and find ways to listen and learn. And again, in this moment of what's going on, Chris and I felt like if we could amplify some voices that need to be heard, maybe there's a chance that others would be willing to listen and start taking these steps as well. Um, but before we do get into this episode, I'm not sure how you're listening to us, how you found us, but on our website at thekaijuapostle.com, um, if you go down our page and find this episode, there will also be a interview as well um, with a, uh, his name is Joe. Um, 
we weren't able to coordinate an actual recording with him, but he did do an interview with us. Um, just his experiences as being a black man in the Godzilla fandom. It was a very humbling experience um, having this correspondence with him. Joe, I really appreciate your time. Um, I definitely recommend you taking the time to read that as well. But that being said, joining me tonight is Faye. So I have had the privilege of knowing Faye for a few months now. Um, we've had uh, some incredible conversations. We've had a few conversations where I've had to uh, <laughs> realize how maybe insensitive or uh, where I've needed to uh, work on things. And it's very rare in life that you find people as compassionate as and patient as she is. So I'm very thankful um, not only to have her on this episode, but to have her as a friend as well. So Faye, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really ha happy to have to be here, actually. Awesome. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, I know you just did an episode with the Monsters vs. Men guys. Mm -hmm. um, so there may be some cross-pollination there. But would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Faye. I am 21. I am a POC trans girl, so I get into a lot of different segments of this. Um, <laughs> I've been a Godzilla fan for a long time. My first exposure to Godzilla, though, is kind of funny because it was, I don't know if you, if you remember this, David. Do you remember when Animal Planet did that documentary about Godzilla? I don't. Okay, Animal Planet did this documentary about Godzilla for their Animal Icon series, and that was my first saying that maybe they made me want to get into Godzilla. So after I saw that, I was like, wow, this looks cool. So I asked my dad, who had been trying to get me into Godzilla since I was very small. And I was like, hey, can we watch Godzilla? So we watched Godzilla 2000, that 4th of July. And that's set my path on this ever since. I write for something ghoulish, as you all know. I also am on for our culture, but I haven't submitted any articles yet. That will be changing. And just this night, right before this, actually, David, um. I recorded the first episode of what we're calling the Godzilla Roundtable with me and two other friends. And we're going through the Godzilla movies one at a time, which, like I said, was inspired by you guys at Kaiju Apostle and Monsters vs. Men. That's awesome. Yeah, I did hear you say something about that on their uh, on the Monsters vs. Men episode. Yeah, and I'm really excited for it because we did the first episode and we touched on a lot of really great stuff. But you guys will see it when it's done. But that will be up on YouTube. Add okay. fears, futures, and fossils, and I'll plug that on my own Twitter. Okay, awesome. So, do you plan on releasing that in a audio only format, or will it just be exclusively YouTube? It will probably also be audio only because we did it just with audio, but the main hub will be on YouTube. Okay, okay, awesome. Yeah, definitely excited for that. We will have no problem plugging that once everything gets going there. Um, Okay, so before we get into a little bit of uh, meteor topics, mm -hmm. you know, and I think I'd maybe mentioned this while we're recording, maybe before, but, you know, the last thing we really wanted to do is just, like I said, just kind of cheaply capitalize on this, right? Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, what I've realized is getting into the fandom, you know, how diverse it actually is. But the problem, and you and I have discussed this, is sometimes we, we look at, you know, the avatars or the yeah. pictures on social media and we we lose sight of the people behind there. But then we also don't always know who we're talking to. Right. Because mm -hmm. I don't think it was even until recently that 
you know, I knew what your ethnicity was. I don't think mm-hmm. I knew, you know, recently that you were even trans. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. to me. Like, and like, obviously, I'm going to adjust my correspondence with you accordingly, but it's not as if I think of you any less. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that because I wonder how many other fans are out there who don't do that because maybe they are scared of some form of rejection, right? Because they mm-hmm. don't. I mean, this is a fandom about Japanese movies, and it's a fandom that, by and large, even though it is diverse, is dominated by white dudes, right? Yeah. Like, there's an irony there. So I, I get why maybe not everyone is willing to necessarily say everything about them in a public format. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that later with uh, some of the issues we've been having here recently. So why, why do you love Godzilla? But also, like, how has it been for you and your un- unique experience being in the fandom? Because mm-hmm. obviously who you are is going to... I mean, you're going to have a much different experience than the majority of us. Yeah. Well, to start on that first bit of why I love Godzilla, like I said, I started because I love dinosaurs. I think that's why a lot of us started, because dinosaurs are cool. Godzilla's a big, giant T-Rex with spikes. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But really, I feel like what made me love Godzilla, like beyond just like, oh, it's cool, was when I was in middle school, um, we went down the Tom River, New Jersey which had this really cool, really big FYE. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I got Gojira on the on the TCM DVD, the first ever release of it on home video with the black um, uh, hard hardcover. Mm-hmm. And I got that, and I watched it the next night, and I was blown away at how deep and allegorical that movie was. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up is because my writing is such a big part of me. I love writing. Writing has, has been my release. It's been how I've survived a lot of stuff in my life. I turn to it a lot for fun, for catharsis, because it's important. And I will honestly say Gojira was really the first thing that really affected my writing and how I used allegory and how powerful allegory can be if you use it right. And I'd say that that's really why I love Godzilla. And then it's, it continues for that. Like I thought about Monsters vs. Ben, how much Godzilla 2014 and King of the Monsters have really helped me as a person. And even when I look back, like on GMK is the one that really comes to my mind, is what really helped shape my politics. Because I remember, I don't know how, but from a young age, I always knew from GMK that somehow Japan wasn't entirely honest with itself about World War II for a while, which mm-hmm. is what GMK is about. Yeah. So it's Godzilla's really shaped me in a lot of ways, I feel like. And in terms of the fandom aspect of it, I think the big thing with the fandom is, at least for me, like like you like like you said, David, I can only really speak for myself. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you're always guarded in the Godzilla fandom when you're not like a like a straight cishet white guy. Yeah, you're always wondering, okay, is this person actually like okay with it, or do they just hide it a lot? Like, is it right if I mention something without without naming names? Yeah, absolutely. Like, just last night, a big Godzilla fan artist was people saw their likes and saw their liking stuff that was against oh, everything yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And I would have never expected that from him. And I, I felt blasted by it because I was like, are you kidding me? And I feel like that's like a recurring thing, not just in the Godzilla fandom, but in fandoms as a whole, you're always like, is this person good? Is this person 
I don't want to say bad, but like their are their views harmful? Mm-hmm. Are they an ally? Are they going to reject you for what you are? And I feel like that's the constant experience. Because oftentimes it's not always overt and on the surface. Sometimes it's very insidious or in very double meanings or in mm-hmm. how they talk about events. And unless you know to look out for it, sometimes you don't really know it. Yeah. And like I've been in the fandom for a long time. I started on Toe Kingdom, the forums way before I should have been on it. <laughs> no one should be on there, to be honest. Yeah. And and it, that just also shaped me. Like for a while, my experiences on the Toa Kingdom forums kept me away from the Godzilla fandom because I really was so... I don't want to say traumatized because I've been traumatized by actual serious stuff. So I don't want to say it's exactly on that level. But it left me with a scar of not wanting to be invested in the Godzilla fandom. Until ironically, when you when you reached out to me, mm-hmm. and when Chris from, from Gargantua Cast started reaching out to me, that's really what made me come out of my shell and and start talking to other Godzilla fans, not just my own personal circle of friends about it. Yeah. And what's funny is I remember when we first started talking, we it wasn't even like an argument. We were disagreeing on something, but like the conversation ended really well. Mm-hmm. And you told me that, well, because of this specific person, you didn't assume you'd be able to have a conversation with me like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, maybe you should try talking to me and assessing me for who I am. Mm-hmm. But like, but what's funny is even with that person, like I've seen changes, but anyway, besides the point, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it is something where, you know, you have to have like legitimate conversations with people and treat them as human beings and not just like, I don't know, sometimes when we have these conversations, we just treat people like an argument to win, right? We're yeah. not actually considering like, what's the ramifications for the words that I'm using? Like maybe I, maybe I need to tone this down a little bit Mm -hmm. because we're just talking about Godzilla, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah, So I, I I completely get that. And unfortunately Toho kingdom Reddit. I mean, you know, a lot of this, you mentioned the big bad two of those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Reddit. Reddit was really bad. I mean, I actually had a huge blowout with the mods before I left. Um, don't even try liking anime Godzilla on, on the Reddit. You'll oh, be I know. Swarmed. Yeah, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. And with Toho Kingdom, I feel like a lot of elitism and a lot of bullying is very just part of the community there almost. It's mm-hmm. really sickening to a degree. Because I remember, like, I'll admit, I was on there way too young. Like, I was like 11, 12 when I was on oh, there. Wow. I was should not have been on there, but you know you're a dumb kid. You don't you own, and you always mm-hmm. think, oh yeah, you, it's fine. It's Godzilla fan, especially if you grow up and there's really nobody around. You almost get like thirsty to interact with people who who know what the hell you're talking about and yeah. who care about it. But like, I was harassed by a group of people on there across multiple sites who who would like who would like get get into my accounts, like get into my like my Facebook account at the time other forum accounts, YouTube channel, just a lot of stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, so something you had, I want to go back to something mm-hmm. you had said. So you had mentioned just kind of being surprised by what you had found with this particular person. Oh, there's smoke detector. Um, <laughs> so I, I get that. And honestly, like, I think there's almost a parallel here in not, I'm not trying to make this lightly, so mm-hmm. please, you know, our listeners don't read into this more than I'm 
you should. So mm-hmm. there's almost a boldness with Twitter in the way that we see cops who know they're getting filmed and they don't care. Mm-hmm. We're seeing people who are liking things on Twitter and I can guarantee you they don't care. It's almost yeah. like they want people to know, right? Um, which well, is unfortunate. Like, mm-hmm. oh. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. You're good. But like, I was, I'm a, want me to go first or should you go first? I, all I was going to say, so it's, mm. it's just unfortunate because you're right. I mean, these are people that you, we think we're close to or as close as you can be with strangers on Twitter in a Godzilla mm-hmm. fandom. Um, but, you know, we, we develop these relationships with people and then we find out. I mean, we're not disagreeing about like, so within Christian circles, you might disagree is, is it old earth creationism? Is it new earth creationism? You know, just like pretty, it's, I would say it's worth having the conversation, but not worth like cutting ties. We're not talking mm-hmm. about that. We're talking about like, hey, like, I don't think your sexual orientation or, you know, your non-heteronormativity should be displayed in media. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a big deal. I mean, even like you can not, you know, agree with that, but you don't have to go to that extreme, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to say, I dislike you so much. I can't stand the thought of you having any form of representation in media like mm-hmm. that right there yeah i get why you'd be like okay i i don't want anything to do with this person because mm-hmm. that is who i am so yeah that's been happening to a lot of people lately is uh especially with what's been happening with the police is realizing like you know i had one friend in particular today you know um he's been talking about just his experiences as a black man he's like honestly like i never realized how many racist friends i had until the past week. And I'm just like, uh, you know, and it, it, I think part of it, and I told him, I was like, I think part of it is they thought you were white enough for them, but now you're asserting your identity as a black man. And mm-hmm. they're like, nope, man, I, I can't have it, you know? And, and like, I feel like that's been a bit of thing where you just will see people showing themselves for really who they are with this. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it's, I feel like with politics, it's an interesting, I mean, because this isn't, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain it. Like, this is human rights, but sadly, that's considered politics by, by a lot of people, unfortunately. Yep. That's a whole other big topic. As long as it's not in your face or on the news, people can cover up and hide it. But when it's something like this, where it's so omnipresent, and where it's literally everywhere, people start to show themselves for who they truly are and how they truly feel. Mm-hmm. And like we've been seeing, people have been showing themselves, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see, uh, so we, you and I were talking about, you know, beforehand, the, uh, it was a Mark uh, Gugino, I don't know how you pronounce his yeah. last name, the guy who has shoved down the older gentleman. And not only... You know, is he in critical condition? I think he's stabilized, but still, you know, serious condition. Um, but I think there's like, yeah, two police officers were charged with assault, but then like 57 other cops quit in solidarity with them. And I'm like, that's where you draw the line? I know, right? <laughs> like, really? You quit because they got in trouble for putting a man in the hospital? Yeah. Like, it's just, that blows my mind. Yeah. But no, you're right. We are we are starting to see who people really are at this point. Um, Oswald Chambers, 
Uh, he's uh, He wrote devotional, I think, in like the 1800s. But there's a line here, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it. But, you know, it's like crisis doesn't produce character. It reveals it, right? Mm-hmm. So in these moments, we're starting to see who people really are. We're starting to see, you know, and I don't think you have to necessarily shout from the mound, you know, the, the rooftops and the mountaintops 24-7. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely have seen within our fandom and even within my own Christian community, who has said something and who hasn't. And mm-hmm. yes, there is a risk of people saying something and it just being lip service, like all of the corporations, well, yes. the majority of the corporations. Um, I think Look some of them. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and then someone is criticizing Jordan for donating, you know, $10 million a year for 10 years. And like, well, that's mm-hmm. just a tax write-off. I'm like, who cares? No, They're not. still doing it. Yeah, that's like, a lot of money. Yeah, no, it's an incredible amount of money. So, okay, yeah, just if you want to miss the point, sure, whatever. But yeah, I do think there's, you know, there are some people, it's just lip service. I get that. But like, there is definitely, you can see who cares and who doesn't. doesn't? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I was talking to uh, um, Anthony from Something Ghoulish about this via private message. Where, you know, I, I do hesitate to lay judgment on anyone who hasn't said mm-hmm. anything just because I'm like, on the one hand, I, I'm not going to please someone to say what they should do with social media. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of like, well, if you're going to post 100 tweets a day about everything in general, but you won't say anything about this, I kind of just wonder, like, why? Maybe yeah. you're still processing, right? Maybe because here's the thing, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to make this about me. I I really not. But something I've realized is like for a lot of people, this is the first time they've really had to wrestle with the fact that there is an issue in our Mm -hmm. law enforcement system. There's been issues for years and years and years. We were talking Mm -hmm. about before we started recording the West Memphis three, right? Mm -hmm. So the, some, what blows my mind about that case is not only was it, you know, three white boys who were accused of rape and murder and, not even close to being, you know, guilty at all. But, you know, one of the, um, one of the, uh, the, the quote unquote eyewitnesses, you know, in 2003, she talks about how like the police forced her to give a false witness. She said mm-hmm. that the police had told her, well, I guess implied, but if they did not, if she did not cooperate with them, they would take away her kid. Like, I'm not saying it's right, but it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Who who wouldn't? I mean, he's three kids and your child. Of course, you're going to take care of your child. You're scared of the cops. You know what the cops can do. So I think there I think there are a lot of people who are still processing right now. Maybe they don't know what to say, which is, again, why I wanted to do this episode, because it isn't just, you know, a cab. Mm-hmm. All cops are bastards. It isn't just like you don't have to go to these absolute extremes to say that like, hey, there's mm-hmm. an issue here. We need to do something. This has been going on way too long. Let's figure out what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, but for you specifically, I mean, I think I've heard you talk more about like sexism in the fandom, which is yeah. absolutely a real thing. Um, but I mean, have you experienced, I mean... Because I don't, you know, maybe because you haven't, you know, you have your avatar, right? So yeah. maybe people don't see that. But like, have you still 
maybe it's like blowback would be the right word or yeah. you kind of feel the effects. Like what has been your experience in this fandom or other fandoms with that? I feel like with racism, I think because it's so socially unacceptable to be openly racist, even among people who are on the right or conservative or, or, or right-leaning, they'll try to cover it. I feel like, like I said, it's very covert. But then there's times where you can tell. In the Godzilla fandom, up until recently, which is not a good thing, I'm, I'm, I wish we didn't have to, I honestly hadn't seen a lot of it. Like mm -hmm. you said, I saw more sexism. But I do think, though, before I get into my experience with other fandoms, I want to say with the Godzilla fandom, I think sometimes it's almost like race blindness. Mm -hmm. And that's not always a good thing. Like, to bring up King of the Monsters, I think a big reason why King of the Monsters left some impact with some PLC fans like myself is King of the Monsters has so many characters of color in it. Like, yeah. a lot of characters of color. And pretty decently sized roles, too. Like, they're not just minor lip service characters like in Godzilla vs. Biollante where they have the black guy show up so old guys it's America he's oh, black God. which is yeah. a bad stereotype in Japan like that's not even limited just to Biollante I've seen an anime as well like Gate uses that same trope but that's a whole mm -hmm. different topic but in King of Monsters you have characters like like Oshaya Jackson Jr.'s character who's really fun he's really funny he's one of the big characters you have the main general of that movie being a black woman and she's powerful. Yeah. And she's not talked down to or anything. She's a voice of reason. You have characters like um, the squad mates being, being men and women of color as well. So you have a lot mm -hmm. of those elements too. And I feel like the fandom just doesn't really talk about that. Yeah. And, but in terms of other stuff though, unfortunately, I feel like you'll see it more in likes, like, like, I don't want to name names, but like we had one person whose likes and retweets were just abominable. Mm -hmm. What they were saying about about Muslims and people of color and et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like almost in this fandom, this isn't limited to just racism, but I feel like if you have the right opinions, people are not going to call you out for it as much as they would someone yeah. who has the quote unquote wrong opinions. Like, I remember feeling so blown by it because with King of the Monsters fans, which is fair, I, I've seen a, a few, um, a fair few of them also mm -hmm. have those racist tendencies or sexist tendencies. I used to be like, oh, look, the King of the Monsters fans tend to be like this. But then for somebody who's like, yeah, the show movies are the best. If you don't know 50 Japanese actors' names, you're not a real Godzilla <laughs> fan, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Everyone was just silent. And I get missing stuff, trust me, because I did not know about this the fan artist who I mentioned earlier, his likes at all. But he never retweeted stuff. Yeah. When you retweet stuff, it's a bit harder to miss all of it. I can believe if you're very busy. But on the other hand, I have to wonder how much of it also, oh, they have the, the opinions I share, so I don't want to get rid of them. And I can relate to that too, because there was a Kingdom Monsters fan who I followed, who I had to mute because they were retweeting stuff, which I was just did not agree with. That was very vile. And it took me a while to get, no, Faye, you have to follow them. You can't support this even implicitly. Yeah. And I think that's an issue a lot of fandoms have in general, not just about racism, but with bad stuff like abusers or abuse apology or sexism or homophobia or transphobia, where if the right 
person with the right opinions has those views, they'll they won't be challenged as much as if it's somebody with the wrong opinions or the wrong views. If that makes sense, it does make sense. Um, it's tough because I mean, obviously, I know the instance you're talking about because we had a conversation about it, and mm-hmm. that was kind of where I was at. Where I'm like, well, I'm at that point, you know, I'm still dealing with Harlow recovering. I'm not on yeah. Twitter that often. I miss this. And then I start digging in a little bit. And unfortunately, I do see what you're talking about. And, you know, and I think that what's interesting is this isn't exclusive to fandoms. This is just how people are, right? Exactly. Where we, within church circles, we will pick out certain things that we want someone to believe in. And as long as they believe that, we're willing to look over, look else, look over other things, mm-hmm. right? And I know I will catch flack for this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You know, unfortunately, we we see that issue when Trump came into office where evangelicals mm-hmm. were very supportive for him because he did X, Y, Z, even though someone else brought up to me the other evening, he ran on a pro-same-sex marriage platform. I don't know how evangelicals managed to look over that, but know, right? that's besides the point. So, but he hit what they were looking for and they were willing to look over everything else, right? Mm -hmm. And so we do that. We do that with a lot of different things. Um, But to your point, uh, mm -hmm. go ahead. Not to cut you off, but because like, this is like, like, can I talk about like a personal story? You are more than welcome to say as little or much as you'd like. Like, I I know I've talked about this so much. I know some people who who probably listen to the Monsters vs. Men podcast are like, holy smokes, she's going off about this again. But (laughs) but when I I came out that I was abused to that friend circle Mm -hmm. where me and my ex-girlfriend were in, I was so surprised by the lack of support I got and how much people were willing to be like, oh, but she's sorry she's apologized and would get mad at me for being like, no, that's, that's not enough. But I feel like if she was someone who wasn't so close to people and who wasn't, oh, what's the word? I guess the only way I could say it, having the right opinions and the right way of putting it, would she have gotten so much support and like, okay, it's okay. You're sorry, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I could say, say that. And I think, like, I think we all challenge once people we're friendly with comes out and it's like, wow, this person actually is a POS. And it's like, like, I get it. I, I truly do. Because that happened to me not too long after where somebody who I was very friendly with was abusing their girlfriend emotionally and mentally. And I had to go to myself, no, I can't keep talking to this person. And it's hard, I get it. But on the other hand, how is somebody going to change if you keep allowing them to do what they're doing and they don't get any pushback against it? Yeah. If it's just a slap on the wrist, why would somebody stop? What would make them go, wow, I did a really bad thing? Like, it's hard unless there's consequences. Like, I get cancel culture, and you can't just be like, oh, someone said something bad 10 years ago. Cancel them. But if someone has repeat behavior or or does stuff that's harmful over and over again, you have to start to wonder when you're just 
abiding by it and abetting by it. And this isn't just in fandoms, like you said. This is in friends groups, like I like in my story, or like you said in church groups. And it, and it's just it's a it's a people issue in general. It's an issue with humanity, and it's just a really severe one. And I think that's part of what you're seeing. Not to make light of it, but with cops, like that circle of brotherhood, like oh, mm-hmm. we know him though, and it's like, but dude, he 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 freaking killed someone. That's not just a minor thing. Yeah. Like or like how the MPD came out and said, oh, two of the people that were rookies, one that was on his fourth day. I don't care. I don't care if it was their one day, one hundred days, or five hundred days. Somebody lost their life. That can get brought back. Hmm. And it's like. I think the biggest way to describe it is groupthink. And I think groupthink is one of the biggest issues humanity will has faced and will continue to face. Yeah. It's uh there's there's a danger and like you can definitely go to an extreme of just like inhaling every possible perspective because there's obviously some perspectives where it's like, no, this isn't worth any time at all. But yeah, if, if you don't have people keeping you accountable, if you're not actually challenging your presuppositions in life, then yeah, you fall into that group think it's an echo chamber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can be very detrimental because, yeah, I think there's there's an accountability that's missing with, so in fandoms, there's an accountability that's missing because, so I did a video on our Instagram page the other day about this. So, Talking about racism in the fandom, you know, I I don't think, you know, people have brought up there's homophobia in the fandom, there's racism, there's sexism. Like these things are present, but it's not like you log in and all of a sudden it's just like boom, 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 there. boom, 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 yeah. right? It, it's definitely not like that. But the problem is, in my opinion, as a white straight man, is it's, again, a lack of accountability. It's a lack of keeping people responsible for what they're saying to me i think that's the problem is that you know unfortunately you can't gatekeep someone from liking godzilla just because they're racist or they're ignorant or all these things unfortunately like it's not a requirement like it's not like as that's that's just people are gonna like what they like now there needs to be some kind of guideline i think if we're gonna have a community though the problem is we don't have a president of the Godzilla fandom, right? We Mm -hmm. don't have an elder board. We don't have any kind of governmental structure Mm -hmm. because the fandom is very permeable. You can come, you can go as you please. You can be a part of the Godzilla fandom and the My Little Pony fandom and (laughs) all these different things, right? Like there's no requirements except you like Godzilla. I mean, heck, you could have seen three Godzilla movies but have figures of all of the all of the monsters and you are still legitimately welcome in the Godzilla fandom no matter what mm-hmm. people tell you. Now, if it's been 5 years and you still have only seen 3 movies, I'm going to be like what are you doing? Now, that's <laughs> that's another conversation. But but my issue is, you know, we had someone in our in our community um and he I asked if I could use his name and he said these I was allowed to. So, uh his name's Nathan and he is uh he was targeted by someone in the fandom who is known for being verbally abusive publicly, but normally in those instances, even though it's still offensive, he would use like the words like autistic or mongoloid or things like that, which are still absolutely atrocious, but like 
not mm -hmm. the N-word, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, over some of the most senseless and stupid disagreements, this guy just drops N-word, 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 N-word. And Nathan goes public about it because, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's a very calm-headed guy. And he's like, hey, <laughs> this is what's happening. And, you know, we, we try to signal boost it as much as we can because we feel like, okay, this isn't just like disagreeing and having a little spit, you know, spat. Like this is mm -hmm. one of the most disgusting things, disgusting also. words in the world. And for all of our white listeners who are saying, but why can the black community say it? Google it. Google is your friend. Anyway, so the point being, no one was keeping this guy accountable. There Nobody. was multiple people who said, well, he's my best friend, so I know he didn't mean it. So I was like, okay, so why did he say it multiple times? Well, he's got a lot going on, if you'd understand. Hey, I get it. We all have a lot going on. That doesn't justify it. Those excuses being made, you know, and they're like, I, I had shared multiple stories about all of this. And I mean, there was hundreds of people who viewed these stories. We had close to 50 mutuals. I think we're down to like 40 now. Um, so that's a change. But my point being is like for the first few days, like, Nothing was happening at all. And I'm sitting here and I'm literally just venting to people and being like, why do you not care about this? Like, why does like in the midst of everything going on right now, why are you not holding this person you consider your friend accountable for their mm -hmm. racist actions? And I, I, I maybe there's a fear to it, right? Like, we're not saying like cancel this guy. I'm like, just say something, just do something because this guy has been abusive, verbally abusive to me for a year. Now, I'm 31. I'm not going to let some, I don't know, I don't know how old he is. So I keep saying he's a kid because I hope not that he's going to listen to this. But like, you know, so whoever <laughs> this is, I'm not going to let that ruin my day. But like, that's who this person is where I've seen him pick on other people. I will step in and be like, hey, that's not appropriate. And he'll turn on me. Right. So like, mm -hmm. but what I didn't understand is like, you know, people are defending him. And I think it goes back to what you're saying is, well, he has the right opinions about movies. And I'm like, there's plenty of non-racist people who have good movie opinions. Be friends <laughs> with them. Like, it's not that hard. And, and like, and like, not not to cut you out too much, David, but something good. which I which I've kind of also done is if you consider movie opinions more important than like actual serious stuff opinions, I'm gonna side eye you just a little bit. Because like look at me and you. We don't agree on King of the Monsters entirely, but I'd still consider you a great friend. And that's because to me, you know, on, on what accounts you have the right views and the right morality and the right opinions on important stuff. That to me will always supersede anything that's not important. Mm -hmm. Like if you hit King of Monsters, but you're a good person, I will gladly be friends with you. I have mutuals who cannot stand that movie. But I still consider them great, great people and great friends, and I'm glad to be in their circles. Yeah. But if you like King of the Monsters, just just to keep going on the example, and you're garbage and you're racist and you're sexist and you're homophobic and you're transphobic, I don't care if you like my favorite one of my favorite movies ever, because you're 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 a garbage person. Yeah. But see, you know, and what I'll what I'll push back on that though mm -hmm. is first, you know, I. I get where you're coming from, obviously, because this is a lot more personal for you. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm always so, and maybe this is a good conversation to have getting into actual racism itself. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to actually discuss racism in a systemic sense. Um, mm-hmm. So one of my hesitancies in like referring to people as garbage is because I have seen the way that, so like no one is born and immediately is like, I'm going to start quoting Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, James mm-hmm. Cone, Cornell West, right? And just have this mm-hmm. like completely robust view of what the black experience in America looks like. And that's not even comprehensive. Those are just mm-hmm. four guys off the top of my head. You know, so like people grow and they adapt and they change. And like I've witnessed legitimate like these people would be considered garbage racist people. Like not just this weird like that video going on the other day of people like I surrender my white supremacy. I'm like, that's not how this works. You know, <laughs> so like I get it's a symbolic gesture, but come on. Yeah. Um it, it's just, very performative. Yeah. Makes me think of the the Simpsons gif of Bart with the cake. It's like at least he tried and he puts it in the trash. Yeah. Um so like but I have seen people change. And I'm not just talking a superficial change. I'm mm-hmm. like straight up like this is a what the in the Christian belief the idea of repentance is not just saying sorry it's it's a mind change it's you are literally turning your life around and i have to believe that people are capable of doing that so mm -hmm. i I, i'm not saying you're wrong i just for me personally and for our listeners like you know i i challenge people who use that word to consider that like okay so you know is this who they are now but is this who they'll necessarily be forever? But that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a side. My my real point is, you know, I have friends in my life that I actually fundamentally disagree with things on. But mm-hmm. I think the difference is if you can have two people that disagree on an idea, but there is just an intrinsic, I have intrinsic belief that humans deserve dignity and respect, even if you have some pretty strong political, theological, ethical disagreements. It's still possible to not treat each other like garbage. And that's what mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand is like, <laughs> well, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I justify racism, but like, at what point do you think like, I'm not saying it's okay to not like a black person, but like, you don't have to use the N word. Like you can mm-hmm. be like, at what point do you get well, to that where it's acceptable? I feel like, though, like, trust me, I get what you mean. And I'm not saying people can't recover yeah. and get better. But on the other hand, it's not the duty of someone, of the of the group that's being oppressed to educate the oppressor. Yeah. And I think that's where people who are, who are white, because we're talking about racism, and who aren't, and who aren't for racism, and who are anti-racism, need to talk to those to to people who are racist, and try to educate them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a black person, or a Latinx person, or an Arab, should have to tell why they deserve human rights. Yeah, and why they deserve respect. So, because it's like I I do agree with you. I've seen people change. I've seen people grow. I, I agree with that entirely. I think we all can relate to growing and changing ourselves. But on the other hand, it's just hard when you're in those groups and you know the person doesn't respect who you are intrinsically. 
mm-hmm. which you can't change. Nobody chooses their gender, their sexual orientation, despite what people will say. Trust me, no one would choose to be this with how hard it can be. Your race, a disability, like that stuff is just, you don't choose that. You're born with that. And so like, because I do agree, like I, I said, people can change, but I don't think it's the duty of of the oppressed to educate the oppressor about it. I think that's... No, like said, no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I agree with that. And there's actually, I was listening to a sermon uh, tonight um, by a guy named Greg Boyd. He did it uh, on June 1st. Um, it's called Please, I Can't Breathe. So obviously we know what that's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the guests on there, her name is uh, Oshita Moore. Um, she's an author. And uh, she was up there talking and she was like, if you can Google, I don't remember exactly what it was. If you can Google, you know, your next lake home or whatever, you can Google how to be an ally or how to mm-hmm. learn how to do this, right? Like yeah. Google is your friend. But, you know, I will say, because I just, I had even just messaged a friend about this tonight where I was like, hey, I know it's not your responsibility to teach me about all of this, but I'm thankful that years ago you did take the time to teach me before all of this went down, right? Mm-hmm. Because she did, she, you know, but I had to learn how to listen, right? I, ha- mm-hmm. I had to learn how to take the time and actually listen to what people were saying. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's just as a, obviously as a Christian, my pushback is, I completely understand where you and others are coming from of just this anger and hurt, which are absolutely all valid, uh, valid feelings. I just, I kind of, in my head, it's kind of thinking out loud, but I wonder when we label people as garbage and, you know, all Mm -hmm. toxic and all this stuff, not that it's not entirely accurate, at least in the toxic element, but when we label Mm -hmm. someone as garbage, we're almost saying like we're putting their their value as trash, right? And we don't see mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't we don't know what this person's life is going to be. And so mm-hmm. I'm always personally hesitant to do things like that just cuz I look at who I am as a person and you know, there's there's maybe not necessarily in the the topic of racism, um, but just even just like just human decency. I mean, mm-hmm. the, for lack of better terms, when I was a teenager, I mean, I was, I was a chode, right? Like, I was mm-hmm. not, like, I, I'm so glad I'm married to my wife, but if she would have met me when I was 18, 19 years old, there is no way she would have dated me. Then. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that as a fact, but I learned, I grew, I matured, and I changed. So, again, that's just mm-hmm. as, that I felt like, you know, yeah. I, I just have known enough people that, have made those changes where, you know, I, I want, I want to see like, on the one hand, I want people to share how they're hurting and their feelings and how they've been hurt because those mm-hmm. voices deserve to be heard. But how can we channel that pain and these experiences mm-hmm. to help, you know, it's not your job. You're right. This yeah. is not your job, but how can I take that to have people listen that maybe wouldn't listen mm-hmm. before and maybe they're hearing this in a new way and like, okay, this makes sense. I'm able to connect the dots mm-hmm. because with racism, and this is this is where I kind of want to, you know, end the conversation here in a sense. So you and I would both agree racism is systemic, right? Yeah. It's built on systems. But yeah. going back to that podcast, uh, that sermon I said I was listening to, what I'm realizing is white people as a whole don't think that way. They think yeah. more individualistically. So this is not a unique idea for me. I'm admitting I'm taking this from somewhere else. But 
you think about that because what is one of the first things that people will say when we bring up that racism is a problem in America? Like, what is probably the one thing that you hear more than anything? I have to be honest, besides the issue with policing, it would have to be economics. Okay. Oh, sorry. So I, I, I should I should clarify. So whenever mm-hmm. you say racism is a problem and a white person tries to tell you it's not, what mm-hmm. is their reason for why they say oh, it's okay. not a problem? That that was my fault for not clarifying. Okay. Well, I feel like you're going to say, because, well, look at, like, let's just say, uh, like, just, just like any big actor or, or sports player, like, oh, they have millions of dollars. They got ahead. Mm-hmm. America's not racist. We fixed it. And yeah. it's like, but that's just an solitary example. That's not the entire group. And no, never will you ever have like an entire group be all right. But <clears throat> yeah, when you look yeah. at, at the numbers and the statistics and you see which groups have it more, and then you combine it with other stuff like crime. People will always be like, oh, crime rates aren't valid because just commit less crimes. But it's not that. It's the sentencing. It's how harshly people are sentenced. Like someone can go away for, for, for 10 years for weed, but then you have people who've assaulted people sexually, like, like, like Brock Turner. He went away for a few months. And that's a big discrepancy there. Yeah. So... It's just, and it's very hard, I feel like, to explain it unless you've lived it, too. Mm -hmm. Because, like, do you know of of the scientific concept of the monkey spear? Uh, I've heard it, but no, I'm not familiar. The monkey spear is scientifically and psychologically how we can only comprehend so much within our tribe from our holdovers from, I'm not sure your view on it, David, in terms of evolution. I personally believe in evolution and scientifically it's sought to be from our days as apes, how we can only comprehend so much where even though our brains have gotten bigger and our world has gone much, much, much bigger, we can still only comprehend so much that we've experienced. And that's within our circle that to a degree outside concepts and people who aren't in our, in our sphere aren't even in our thoughts. And I think that plays a big role in stuff like racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia, because if you don't know anyone like that, and if you've never been been exposed to it yourself or from a friend, you wouldn't really think about it. So when you first hear of it, you're like, what the heck are you talking about, if that makes sense? Yeah. It does. Um, So I was going to say, there's not really right or wrong answer to my question, but that it was really good. Just not the, not the way I saw that going. Sorry. Um, No, 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 you're good. That's why I didn't stop you. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was just, the reason I had asked that because the thing I hear more often than not is, well, I didn't own slaves. I didn't. Oh, I've heard that. Well, I haven't heard it, but I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I've heard it so many times. So especially in the church, um, so that the reason I say that is because people will try to pass that off and be like, well, I didn't own slaves. I didn't do this. I don't do that. Why is this my problem? The problem is, is because it's a system, right? Mm-hmm. So in that sermon, I love how Greg talks about how the world is made up of systems, but we don't notice there's really a system until something goes wrong, right? So we have a highway yeah. system. 
we're driving. We don't even really think about the highway being a system, but we sure as heck notice it when there's construction, when there's an yep. issue, right? So this is what we're seeing now is there is an issue with this system, the, 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 um, you know, the, with the system setting up for the police, with the, the criminal justice, all these different things. But with racism itself, it's very systemic because it's not something that just one person does here and then one person does there. It's it's ingrained into the psyche, the really the spirit of our country, because, you know, while we have people complaining about Robert E. Lee's statue being taken mm-hmm. down because we're going to forget history, we also struggled to have accurate history in our schools talking about, well, what actually happened to the indigenous people when mm-hmm. colonialists came over, right? And yeah. this was all done in the name of God. It was all name in the done of it was all done in the name of white supremacy, right? There was, you know, the the thing there is when people came over to colonize, it was just an assumption that white people are better. It, it's exactly. been that way for for hundreds of years. And so when we look mm-hmm. at that, when we look at that, we, we look at, you know, the treatment of, even within, you know, the treatment of Jews during World War II, you know, people within our own country. Um, mm-hmm. We see the way that, you know, uh, Asian people were treated during World War II because we had our own little freaking internment camps here in the United States and people know, don't seem right? to care about that. Um, you know, and obviously with, you know, with lynching, like to me, the irony of missing the correlation between lynching a black man and the crucifixion of a Jewish man in the first century, the fact that it has never really dawned on the church, that correlation blows my mind. Because I didn't even think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Until uh, it was The Cross and the Lynching Tree by James Cohn. And yeah. I've read that and it just blew my mind. So like, you know, there's there's people mm-hmm. alive right now yeah. who participated in lynchings, yes. who had help you know, that the help, right? They they had mm-hmm. color like there's people still alive who voted for those things who are still voting on policies now. So exactly to say that racism, it's not an individual thing. It's something that is ingrained in the history of our society. It and is. as and I keep citing this sermon because I'm just thinking about how like, you know, he's he's a white pastor in the midst of Minneapolis, you know, trying to make a difference when they really need it. And his point being is this system has worked for white people for so long. But as one of the the guests up there had spoken, he was like, but if black people could have changed the system, they already would have. Right. Yes. And so it's our responsibility as, you know, myself, Chris, you know, other people in the fandom or just in general, anyone who's listening to this, it's our responsibility as white people to actually make that difference, because if we're not going to do it, a, it's either not going to happen or B, it's going to be taken by force, right? We we get yeah. upset by all of the violence, you know, that's happening in these protests, which if you actually talk to people at the protests, very small amount of them are supportive of that, right? But mm-hmm. if you're not willing to actually look at the issues that have resulted mm-hmm. in this, you're missing the point. You're You're... It's the same reason why when um, George Floyd was killed, immediately people are like, well, what, what's his rap sheet? And I'm like, you're missing the point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're missing the point. It's, it's not about if you spend so much time trying to, to excuse it and find a way to, Mm -hmm. to make it okay. He's still dead. 
it's a human. It doesn't life. matter what it was. That was you can't bring it back. And that's where like I'm not. I'm. I I'm the. Sh- and never mind, never mind. But um, what I will say though is, on on, on violence. I'm not for it, but at the same point, you can be not for something and still understand the emotion behind it. Absolutely. Like I look look at Nelson Mandela and how much he's been whitewashed. Nelson Mm -hmm. Mandela used to organize bombings of South Africa. That's what he was in jail for. He went because he had to fight against a system so critical against his very existence in his very own homeland, the only way he could fight that was with violence. And people died from it. And I'm not going to say if that's right or wrong, because to a degree, I'm not sure if even I know the answer. But I can get the emotion and what led up to him having to do that Mm -hmm. and how much that must have been weighed on him. But then you hear about stuff like with Trevor Noah he was born illegal because he was half white and half black, and he was legally not allowed to exist in South Africa. Yeah. So when you have a system that's that corrupt and that evil, what's right and wrong sometimes gets very hard. And you even look at our own country's foundation. The American Revolution was far from nonviolent. Tax mm. collectors were murdered yeah. just for yeah. trying to collect taxes. Torn and feathered, a horrific way to die. But we don't talk about that. No. And it's like... Because it was justified. Yeah. Right? Because our our rights were, were taken away. Or rather, you know, we deserved rights. We deserve to be able to have our own... You know, all of these things that we say that really, if we think about, are being said right now. Mm-hmm. And but. it's like, is there an easy answer? Generally, no. no. Do I have the answer? No. Do you have the answer? I'm fairly sure you would say no as well. But you can. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But you can get the emotion behind something, if not always the action. And I think that's how I feel with the looting and the rioting. You can get why someone's enraged, if not always approve of the action, or if you would do it yourself. And I think that's an issue. In general, not just here, but you look in the Middle East sometimes, and it's like, no, is killing people okay? No, human life has value. Mm-hmm. I, the, the one moral thing I always stick to just for myself is I, will, I hate hurting people, be it mentally, emotionally, physically. It, it disgusts me. It detests me. That's why even getting into arguments, I try to diffuse them. I try to make them into more debates and discussions. Because I don't like making people feel feel angry or hurt or sad for my own opinions. Even when it's stuff that that physically bothers me. Like mm-hmm. if it's about like the race, like the isms or the phobias, or even just my own experiences as a survivor of really heinous stuff, I still would rather someone come away from it with knowledge, not with a hurt and pain. But on the other point, do I have because I'm I'm privileged to to a degree. I'm not living in a war zone or under a dictatorship or under a system where I don't exist. And I feel like sometimes in our privilege we get so caught up in oh I would never do it mm-hmm. or I could never see why 
that we can't see sometimes from the other point of view what it'll, what it'll be like growing up knowing that you could be shot at any second because someone decides no your life has has has, has no meaning like in the middle east where someone could could burst into your house at any moment and try to kill you for having a gun because this is something that happened to my grandparents where they were broken into by an army i will not drop because that's a whole bigger topic and they were nearly shot and they were only saved because they were christian and the fact that if they were muslim they would have absolutely been shot and if they didn't have have a crucifix on the wall and if and if my grandmother's father could not speak english that i wouldn't exist that's haunted me for a while yeah just that thought and when i think about people and i'm getting emotional talking about it because it is a very big thing. And I think about the fact that I have family who still live there and still have to think like the autistic boy who got shot and killed because he couldn't say, I, I'm not armed, don't kill mm -hmm. me, just because I'm Arabic. That, that really bothers me when I think about that. And how I could potentially not exist and experience all that I have if, if way back my family didn't convert to Christianity, and if they were Muslim, what would happen to what would have happened to them in that in that situation? And that's why even if I don't always approve of of the violence or the looting, I can understand that rage, that feeling of wanting to be just respected and being equal. And just when I remember what my grandparents had to go through coming to this country and the fact that my grandfather had to work three jobs, I can get it. Even if I wouldn't personally do it, I can emphasize and I can, and I can say, yes, I feel you. I understand your hurt. I may not personally do it, but I, I, I feel you. And, and it's like, and I'm sorry for getting so emotional, but it's something that is very powerful to me. And I'm shaking right now because this is all stuff I felt for so long. So it's why sometimes when people are like, oh, but I would never do it. Think about where you're sitting, what you have. People don't always have that option. Sometimes it's either that or remaining underfoot, not knowing if you'll make it to the next day. And that's just something I think we need sometimes to get some perspective on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's tough when you said earlier. Um, I know the typical thing to say there is I don't know what to say because obviously we all know I don't know what to say there. Um, what we were saying earlier about groupthink and echo chambers and limited communities, if you're not actually it's not even just exposing yourself. That's not enough. If you're not listening to people, then of course you're not going to understand, right? You're not, you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. um, I know for me personally, as a committed pacifist, um, because of my religious beliefs, um, I know, like, are you, are you familiar with who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is? I am not, unfortunately. Okay. No, you're good. You're good. So mm. he's a, uh, uh, he was a German pastor theologian um, who got on the radar of Hitler in the Third uh -huh. Reich. Um, he 
came to America. Um, he actually, in his uh, own writing, own words, said he found Jesus in the midst of the black church, which I continually just relish the thought of that for how many conservative Christians love him. Um, <laughs> but he eventually was uh, arrested by, um, you know, Nazi soldiers and put to death. Um, only, I think, a couple days before uh, that camp was liberated. But I say that because he was very committed pacifist, very committed in trying to follow the ways of Jesus. And then um, there's kind of conflicting reports on it, but it is uh, believed that, like, are you familiar with the movie uh, Project Valkyrie or whatever, yes, Valkyrie or whatever? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So apparently he was actually involved in that, um, in the plot to kill Hitler. And a lot of people have struggled with that because they're like, well, Bonhoeffer was a pacifist. He believed in nonviolence. He would never do that. And over the past week and a half, two weeks, I've been thinking about that. I'm like, no, actually, I believe that he could do it because he held these beliefs for so long. And eventually he just looked at the pain and the suffering and the anger and was just like, I, I can't do it anymore. You know, like, <laughs> so I, I, I say that because on the one hand, I have my beliefs of nonviolence and pacifism. But on the other hand, I absolutely understand why people are upset, why people are angry, why people are lashing out. You know, you can only fill up a cup so far before it starts overflowing, right? You know, mm -hmm. what you could do is address that first before it gets to that point. But unfortunately, we haven't done that. Unfortunately, we have said stupid things like, well, I didn't own slaves. Why is racism? You know, that's not my responsibility or, you know, it's just, you know, it's just one bad apple. You know, the whole system isn't broken. But again, that gets back to this individualistic view of life. Mm -hmm. Whereas I, I truly believe in this point in time, it's, it's not a bad apple. The entire orchard has an issue. I, I think we need to look at the soil these trees mm -hmm. are in and realizing like, because I, I truly believe whether you're a Christian or not, you can agree with this. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. So if mm -hmm. we see bad fruit being born and born and born again, we have to look at why. And it's again, it's not just it's not just the police issues, right? Because there are white people who have been oppressed and and killed by the police. Obviously, I think the the disparity is there for sure, mm -hmm. but there's there's overreach there, right? You know, it's more than just that. But I think, you know, as I, and I'm going to kind of tone this back into the the fandom idea. Mm -hmm. This is where that accountability comes in, right? Yeah. So in the cop sense, you see your 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 friends, your your buddies doing stuff like this, call them out. Don't support it. And if and if you can't leave, and there have been cops who have quit over this, mm -hmm. right? You know, it, it's not not publicized very widely, um, but there have I've I've seen several instances of that, right? Um, and there unfortunately have been cops who have been killed in the midst of this too. And it's unfortunate that, you know, the, the, it's not just about them. I'm thinking of their families right mm -hmm. now, all of a sudden, you know, just in the way that George Floyd's family is mourning him. Now we have all these other people who are mourning. And really, I'm just like, why, why is any life being lost at this point? Um, mm -hmm. But my, my point there is just for looking at the fandom, you know, or our own communities, church, work, wherever, 
we have to hold people accountable. It doesn't mean we have to put them on blast. It doesn't mean we have to, you know, screenshot and <laughs> crucify them online. But it mm-hmm. means if we say we're friends with someone and they're posting very hateful and very, very ignorant things, or we overhear our friends saying stuff like just say something, you know, like if if you really care about this person, you know, do something. And if you don't care about them and you see it, well, I don't I don't know really know what to tell you at that point. Yeah. Right. Um, but we have to be holding people accountable because if we're not doing that, then these people feel like they can do whatever they want. Right. Because what are the consequences if mm-hmm. nothing is done? I think back to 2018, I was working for a company called Home Advisor. And there was a guy that um, was harassed by a local contractor, I guess. It was, it was a black man. Um, <laughs> he had uh, cut him off in traffic accidentally. And the guy comes to his house and is yelling at him in his face, calling him the N-word, this and that, MF, all this. But of course, his business name is on the truck. So <laughs> dude goes viral. He gets flooded with bad reviews. We take him down off of our listing. I don't even think he has a company anymore, right? Like. <laughs> Do I do I always agree with those extremes? Not necessarily. I think sometimes, you know, we can try to be vigilantes and we I've I've seen the wrong people receive the end of quote unquote justice, right? But in mm-hmm. this instance, yeah, people held them accountable. And that's what we needed to do. So I'm not always advocating for that, but like we need to be doing things. If we see people saying racist stuff, like say something. There was a guy on Twitter the other day who was saying that. He, he literally is calling protesters animals. And he said, if protesters, if these animals can't be controlled, they need to put, be put down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I called him out on it and I reported it to Twitter too. Of course, they haven't done anything because Twitter sucks. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just like, say something. It's mm-hmm. just say something. I don't know. I hear you. So, so how do we build the bridge? like how like (laughs) i i i don't know like i think listening and i think people who aren't of color at least in terms of racism need to talk about it a bit more and not always brush it under the rug and i think if we need to be willing to listen more like just this past week i know anyone who's following me has seen it I got into a really big discussion with a very big Star Wars account about how they talked about black fans mm-hmm. and their feelings on Finn in the sequel trilogy. And even though we didn't agree, there was still a discussion there. And I think that's what's important in all of this. Ideally, you would listen and change a bit, but sometimes people aren't always going to listen. But mm-hmm. at least if there's a discussion, that's a step in the right direction, I feel like. Yeah. So, but let's take, again, I'm not, I'll go back to what you said. I don't think <laughs> it's necessarily, you know, a, a, I really, me personally, and I know this is going to sound bad. I'm not trying to be like a white savior here. When I use the phrase minority, sometimes that bothers me because it almost <laughs> implies, like I get what it means but sometimes I struggle with that. So yeah. when it comes to what would normally be deemed as minority, but, you know, black, brown, Asian, whatever, you know, non-white people, I know it's not 
your responsibility to teach people. I understand mm-hmm. that. So for those who do, it's incredible and very indebted to that. So I guess for those of us who do see an issue with racism, who do who do believe that you know our current police system, whether it's um, reallocating funds or a complete reformation, you know, we see that there's issues. We need more accountability, right? I mean, mm-hmm. heck, mandated body cams would go a long way. Um, so know, for those right. of us who feel that way, what could we be doing? Because I guess, you know, I'm thinking about all of this and this conversation we're mm-hmm. having. And I know at a certain point, obviously, I can't make someone change their mind, right? I yeah. can only control what I do. Exactly. So, so instead of being so dogmatic about something that deserves to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. but if I... It, it, if I imagine that I was racist, so um, if I imagine that I didn't hold to these beliefs, I would say mm-hmm. I'd be really turned off by strong opinions, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, weak opinions on this aren't necessarily effective either. So mm-hmm. I guess my question is like, what could we be doing to open up that conversation without turning people off? Because sometimes I wonder about that. I'm not saying it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's wrong that like, People are vocal and passionate about this because obviously we're talking about the sanctity of human life. That is incredibly important. But at a certain point, the way that internet discourse happens, I just have to wonder, like, is it always the most effective? Are are we doing it effectively? Are we doing it in a way that actually encourages people to want to listen? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think that's hard because I feel like the only person who can control if someone wants to listen is that person. If you're not willing to change or listen or learn or even entertain the other side, I don't even think there's anything someone could say. Mm-hmm. Because even if you try to try to relate it to something they've been through, they can always come up with, but yeah, but I didn't do X, Y, and Z or yeah. something along those lines. And I think that's where it gets very difficult. And I think that's where people get frustrated. Because very often you'll see people not even want to listen or entertain the idea that, hey, maybe I'm wrong about this, or hey, maybe I can learn more about this, or maybe I could at least listen to their side. I feel like it gets very dogmatic and very locked in our own spaces. And it's very hard to even get someone to open up, if that makes sense. It it does. It does. And I know... (laughs) we were kind of talking about before the podcast. I'm like, I know it's kind of controversial. Like I would never say something that like, you know, Nazis are good people. I'm not saying that, but it's that challenge of like, if we really believe human life is sacred, at least as a Christian, then like, I don't really get to choose who deserves love. Now, obviously respect, you know, or like, I don't have to talk to everybody. I don't even have to like everybody. But there's there's this element of like, I'm thinking personally, like, you know, what is there anything I can do on my end to not necessarily water down what I believe or what I feel needs to be said, but mm-hmm. be done in a way that actually gives people a chance to listen to it with their defenses down. Yeah. You know, because that's that's what I'm thinking is like with the way a lot of these conversations are happening. You know, I'm not going to police anyone say you're doing it wrong, but I'm like, it doesn't surprise me that 
you know, it's it's not. I guess right now I'm thinking about one person in particular. Um, he's a I don't remember who it is, but he's going to be in some upcoming Marvel movie. Um, but he was talking about how like the past week and a half has really just like opened his eyes to the issues with the police. But like mm-hmm. in that instance, it's not rhetoric that changes yeah. it, right? It's just the Events. reality of what's happening. So again, I'm not going to police, I say police, I'm not going to tell anyone mm-hmm. how to, you know, have a conversation. But I guess just in the back of my head, I just wonder if I see someone that says, well, you know, if you believe this, this and this, you're a garbage person immediately. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I would ever want to listen to what that person has to say. And maybe that, you know, when you say that, you mm. don't want anyone to listen to you anyway, right? Yeah. But then I kind of wonder, mm. uh, Be, I, I don't know. I don't because, know. And this was a lesson I had to learn myself. Sometimes it's venting. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. not meant to get anyone over to the other side because sometimes it's just so much you have to release it. I know yeah. at least for me, I'll say when I said garbage, by the way, just to clarify, I meant more garbage views, not that people. No, I know, I know. But yeah. I, I say that not because you, but mm-hmm. as host of you know co-host of this podcast i try to take responsibility of like not encouraging because there are people who are like no you're garbage you're worthless i'm like yeah okay like that's that's not helpful either Mm -hmm. but i i i know what you're saying there and i appreciate the clarification though Mm -hmm. so you're saying that like you just have these moments of venting yeah you're saying yeah yeah and and i get that so then i kind of wonder too like you know well is there is there a responsibility of you know, proper social media. You know, there's again, yeah. I could go down a it, rabbit trail. It gets trail into such sorts of bigger thing, and I and I feel you. I genuinely do <laughs> because I've been like, even when people say like something that I've struggled with a lot, when people say old old men are bad, and I can understand that if it's people who are coming from a place of trauma because I felt that too. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, though, I have to also say, look at where the old men are bad rhetoric comes from. It's usually from a place of in the past, not currently of anti-black and latinx men ra- ra- racism or mm-hmm. or sometimes it's 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 co-opted by turfs to exclude trans women but on the other hand it's it, it's venting so it's it's a very difficult balance i agree with you and that gets into a more bigger of should you be venting though on your public platform all the time yeah. and does every single side you have to be said that be said in public <laughs> like I tend to vent definitely not. I can tell like, you. I tend that. to vent more about that kind of stuff to my friends. Yeah. So it's usually kept off of my platform. But I don't think as many people have that same sense of not responsibility, but I guess that same sense of knowing how to be responsible with the platform. Yeah. And then that gets into like you said, like, are you controlling people now on what they can and can't say? And then mm-hmm. it gets into a whole big Yeah. Discussion. It, it, to me, it's a challenge, not like mm-hmm. a challenge, like you're doing anything wrong. But it's it's encouragement to think about, you know, and, and I've told. Uh, uh, so I remember talking to Jack about this one time where I was like, hey, like, you know, if you think about Twitter, you know, you say something and you release it out there. You have mm-hmm. no control of where it goes. Right. Exactly. So there's a certain point where I think you have to consider the ramifications of what you say. And I'll be honest, the past week and a half, I have typed out so many comments and deleted so many comments mm-hmm. before I've posted them. More probably in the past 
week and a half, two weeks in, in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I, I've want, like, I have never wanted to pick fights with strangers more in my life than I have now. Just mm-hmm. the stuff I see. But then I'm like, is that really going to be effective? Like this person mm-hmm. here, I'm thinking about how frustrating it is. But I'm like, if I say something, do I really believe it's going to make a listen. difference? Or yeah. is it going to be self-serving for me because I'm going to go Doesn't in matter. there and quote unquote own them and i'm yeah. like god it's just, and, it's and i feel like me it. and you had discussed this in a less serious way with like movie opinions like we talked about like how we'll just throw it out there like yeah anyone who feels this way about this movie is like a like an idiot or something like that mm-hmm. i've heard way worse than that trust me yeah and it's like and we don't really consider who's reading it or who's seeing it and their background on on on, on what that movie like like you yourself discussed in the Frankenstein versus Baragon episode, like with me and King of Monsters, how that really made you think. And like in turn, it made me think too, how I talked about movies and how I've shared, how I've had to dial back down, even on stuff I don't like <clears throat> Jurassic World <clears throat> and just tried to like monitor it. I'm not saying people can't have opinions and can't be critical, but also what you say, how you word it, like that kind of stuff. And I think this goes for a lot of things, not just something as at the end at the end of the day as inconsequential as movie or TV or video game opinions. Mm-hmm. It could be as serious as our political views or what we say about about people in general. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't think we always think through that. And nine times out of ten, what we say online, especially Twitter, usually mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere, right? Yeah. And obviously, you see some of the stuff that goes viral, and I can guarantee a lot of it was never intended to be that way. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden it's, it's uncontrollable. It's a wildfire. You can't stop it. Mm-hmm. So, but again, as a Christian, you know, I just, I have to believe that if the spearhead of the new Judeo Christian movement was a man who was known for persecuting and c- killing Christians. And yet this conversion, which you know, we have said this numerous times on the podcast, I believe, I don't know, it's almost midnight, maybe I'm wrong. But you know, I don't believe that, you know, conversion is just like saying a prayer, and all of a sudden, you're a Christian, right? It's 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 an actual allegiance and commitment to a person, um, the person being Jesus. Um, Anyway, you know, when Paul was converted, like, that is such a, a huge shift from one to the other. So like, I can't let go of that belief that like people can change, but God, it takes time. It's hard. It's not easy. Right. So I just think I'm like, if I just type something out of anger, out of frustration, I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for it. I just, I kind of wonder if we would take the time to consider that, like what would happen if we actually, you know, and again, I'm speaking myself as a white person. I'm not, speaking to anyone who's actually directly been affected in these communities or, you know, uh, who isn't white and feeling this frustration. But like, Uh you know, the past week or so, I have just ripped Trump a new butthole on my Facebook page. Every post has just been like, I'm just so frustrated with it. And then even right now, I'm having this conversation. I'm like, have all these posts been necessary? You Uh know, like they're, they're right. I know they're right, but like, is it necessary? Is it really mm-hmm. like, a- am I building my my case correctly? And I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think you get what I'm saying. This has been going on for a little bit. Um, 
I just, it pains me, I think, that we're at this point now where we can so tangibly where we can see people so tangibly abused and killed Mm -hmm. and we're still finding ways to justify it. We're saying, oh, well, he was on drugs or, oh, well, you know, he had a rap sheet for him when he was living in Texas or he should have complied, all of these things. And I'm like, at what point in your life do you have, like, you know, the the thing that I think about in all of this, and again, another challenge is, like, people who espouse ideas like this, they're not well-adjusted. These are mm-hmm. not people who have their lives together. These are not people who have love in their hearts, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of being angry, like, you know, again, for me, I, I I'm trying to have pity because this isn't someone that, this this is all coming from a place of hurt, right? You know, I mean, we see how often the abused can become an abuser because they themselves have been hurt and that's the only way they know how to have a relationship is through that, you know? And I just, just with all this, it's just, all I want to do is figure out ways to like help people see. I'm like, I don't even care if like, I don't even necessarily... (laughs) I just want people to be able to look at this stuff and not try to find a way to explain it away and just Mm -hmm. sit there and just let themselves soak and wrestle in the fact that there are people who are being killed and being not, not only by the people that are saying that they're there to serve their communities, but they're being betrayed and hurt by the people closest to them, right? We're, we're seeing people mm-hmm. this week who are discovering that their friends and family are racist and they didn't know, you know, and I'm not talking about white people. I'm talking about like black Americans who had no idea their close friends were racist until now. I'm like, this is a legitimate pain. Like we need to be able to, to look at that and wrestle with that and understand the implications of what that actually means. Mm-hmm. I think you really nailed it, to be honest. It's like, like, I feel like we try to explain it away so much that we don't even think about, about what it is. That sometimes you, you, you have to stop talking, you have to listen. And I think that really encapsulates everything we've been saying this entire hour and a half, where you have to not talk all the times. Sometimes you have to just listen. And I think that's the biggest issue is people just don't listen. I know, I know I need to get better at it for sure. I mean, that's, that's really been this past, you know, we can have two weeks is even if I'm just, yeah, I don't know what else to do, Mm -hmm. you know? Because, I mean, I, I'm never going to have to tell my son to not do something if he gets pulled over by the police, right? My my daughter is never going to have to worry about being profiled if she goes into a store, mm-hmm. right? These, these are realities I will never have to face, ever, mm-hmm. you know? I, I, so the only way I can, I can ever help is to listen. 
mm-hmm. you know, and like, I know it's not even close to being the same, but the fact that I have to have a conversation with my four-year-old about why this is happening, you know, I, I tell them this the other night and I sit down and I'm like, okay, so we need to have a talk and we're going over all of this. And I'm like, there's mm-hmm. a man named George, you know, and he, he, I just go over everything and he's sitting there. I was like, okay, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray for his family because they're obviously very upset and hurting right now, right? I mean, he's four. He knows what death is. Mm-hmm. And it's just he's like, well, can we pray that George has life? And I'm like, I wish. You know, and like, if if that hurts me even just this amount, like I can't imagine what people are going through on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. You know, hearing a story about how... um that sermon I was referencing, one of the people there, they, their, their mother, I think was, was dying a heart attack or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is, but she mm-hmm. was put in the ambulance and got in the hospital and the son was trying to keep up with the ambulance. Right. Mm-hmm. And he gets pulled over and arrested. He's trying to tell him like, Hey, my mom's dying. I'm trying to go to the hospital and he has to be in jail while his mom dies. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I-, I will never understand what that's like. I will never understand what it's like to the, the pressure of. Of having. A son who who doesn't make great choices. This is a kid that I grew up with. Um, he was arrested for Grand Theft Auto and. <laughs> it's a literal manhunt, you know, and he gets arrested and put into jail. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, um, they say he commits suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, they open up a case because a black man committing suicide in jail. Like, you're like, okay, what's going on? This is, you know, Hicktown, Missouri. Something's going on. Nothing mm-hmm. happens, you know, but I will never know what it's going to be like to be his mother and wonder could I have done something different? And maybe my son would still be alive. Like Mm -hmm. there is such a pressure on black parents to raise their kids. Right. To not worry about this. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just, this is the kind of stuff I've been trying to listen to the past two weeks. And I'm like, and if I wouldn't like, Mm -hmm. I just, I wouldn't get it. And that's, you're right. We have to listen. Cause if we're, if we're not going through it ourselves, if we're not listening, like we have no way of really knowing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like, and I think sometimes it's hard because I think sometimes even subconsciously, subconsciously we feel almost guilt over it. But at the same point, guilt doesn't really. I don't mean to disparage anyone for feel for feeling guilt because I think that's natural as humans. But at the same time, though, guilt also doesn't fix anything; only action does. And I think that's why guilt can only go so far. I'm not saying everyone can donate because not everybody has the funds to donate. But if you can donate, like I didn't talk about it on my own Twitter because I didn't want to think, "Ooh, look at me." But I donated one hundred dollars to the GoFundMe for George's family because I mm-hmm. felt like I like I had to. That was the most I can do. I can't go to protests. 
because of I have asthma, so that would not be good. Mm-hmm. And I don't drive. And on the and on the other hand, I'm not in a position of power to change the laws. But what I can do is contribute monetarily to a fund to at least help someone affected by this. And I think even if you don't have money, just signing petitions and listening and retweeting and being there for people, I think that's also important and and impactful and being an ally. And I think that's really the crux of it. If you're so busy worrying about yourself and your own emotions, of course you won't really get the issues because it'll be like, but the stuff I've been through, and sometimes it's not always about you. And I think that's just a, a thing that we as humans have to get. Sometimes it's not always about us and our experiences. And I think it's a very hard thing to learn. But I think it's important because when you do step out is when you can truly grasp other people and understand other people and to not be like a nerd. But And I hate that I'm dropping this, but this series has been so impactful in my life. I think that's what Neon Genesis Evangelion is trying to say in, in, in End of Evangelion. You can only truly be happy when you're not so focused on yourself. And that's the only way things will change. Yeah, there's a point where in being an ally, you can uh, make it about yourself, right? And you're not mm-hmm. actually like caring about the other people and selflessness uh it, it is it's interesting right we've we have this rise of self-care mm-hmm. in our society but people still are hurting and it's like well i mean i'm not saying that you can't take care of yourself but like maybe we need to try the other way around maybe we need to focus on how we can help others mm-hmm. maybe we can find some healing that way but mm-hmm. um you know, I was planning on not trying to keep this super structured and wow, this uh, went 500 places and I am I know, right? emotionally drained right now and hoping that uh, I've been able to make some semblance of uh, sense through all of this. Um, so yeah, I uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, I'm, I was less concerned about it being clean cut and structured i'm just kind of wanted to have an actual conversation i i listen so i'll I'll be honest i don't listen Mm -hmm. to a lot of podcasts because a lot of the times i feel like they're so they're either so esoteric or it's just so sterile right Mm -hmm. where i'm like i want to actually listen to something that i don't feel like has just been chopped up into pieces and put together um Mm -hmm. but that being said like i said i really appreciate you joining Tonight, do you have any closing thoughts? Anything that you know? Um, obviously, you've you've shared, you know, where you write. Um, but if you have anything else you'd like to plug, like any uh, social media accounts, if uh, mm. you have any closing thoughts, um, this would be your uh, your time to shine. You could find me at Fairyzilla, which is much easier than my old username oh geez yeah the molder two one six five four three two one i don't even remember it's yeah. like what and fairyzilla is spelled f-a-e-r-i-e and then of course zilla and that's and, on twitter right Yep, on twitter okay. and that's basically the only place i'm at 
And as for closing thoughts, I just want to say I really appreciate you doing this. Like, I think that this one got really heavy, but in all like the right places. Like, and I think that's the only way we'll come out of this is if we dig deep and be honest about things and our feelings. And like, think once again, be cheesy. Like the same way, End of Evangelion is impactful because it's about Shinji finally accepting who he is, and to have to, and the way and that the only way he can live life and be happy is by accepting that sometimes stuff will be hard. It's that same kind of thing. We can only change our society and ourselves in a way if we're open with where we come from and what we've experienced and what's around us. So I appreciate you a lot for holding this and doing this. And I know it's not my place to say it because I am just an individual. I'm not a monolith for any of my communities, but I think that's why you're a good ally. I think you generally work to understand it, even if you don't always, but I don't think you ever talk down about it. And I think you always make an effort. And I think that's what matters. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, I will say the one of the things I really try to do in this episode is not uh, correct myself. Um, I really just kind of wanted to, you know, I'm just going to say something. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think if it would have been really wrong, we would have had to stop. Um, <laughs> but I do want to use just these last couple minutes to share some resources. So obviously, as who I am now, you know, we talked about before, you're not just born and immediately have all of these ideas, right? So um, I understand not everyone that um, listens would be a Christian. So I can only really speak to that context. But I do have a couple books that uh, for those who would like to get into this a little bit more, um, I highly recommend. So the first one, I, w- I would say should be read by everyone, not just um, Christians. But it's uh, it's called Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. Um, he was uh, uh, a very a very prominent uh, voice in the civil rights movement. Um, was actually uh, one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s mentors. Um, but this book gets into the idea of Jesus being a um, what would be considered maybe second, third, fourth class citizen within the first century Palestine. Um, you know, and it's talking about what the experiences of people who have their back against the wall, so to speak. Right. Um, mm-hmm. cause I think a lot of people forget that in the Bible is, you know, the Jew, the Jewish people were very oppressed. Um, it was definitely not a, uh, a fun time. So kind of bringing in that idea, and he also gets a lot into what to do with uh, anger, hatred, all these things. But um, very, very, very moving book. Um, it's, it's been one that I, I have a tendency to not remember words, but themes and ideas are imprinted in my brain forever. Um, and that was a very powerful book. Um, the Civil War as a Theological Crisis by Mark Knoll is also a really good book. That's more of a a historical book, but getting into not only obviously reasons between the North and the South, uh, their conflict there, um, but actually getting into oh. what was happening in the churches, um, the divides that they had with the Bible. Um, I think a lot of people uh, don't realize, you know, how important 
a view of the Bible wasn't actually making a lot of these decisions. Um, it's a very, very well-written book. Um, Mark Knoll is uh, a wonderful scholar. Um, I know this is going to be kind of off. Uh, it may not seem like it would uh, make sense. So High Price by Dr. Carl Hart. Um, so this book I, I found to be incredibly important because there's obviously a very prevalent uh, idea in the media that um, the black black community has been plagued by drug abuse, drug addiction, all these different things, right? We think about the war on drugs. Um, his goal in this book is to help dismantle a lot of that and dealing with addiction and um, the, just the stereotypes and stigmas that we see. Um, unfortunately, again, that is uh, something that white Americans tend to project onto the black community. Um, and I found that this book was very, very, very helpful in that regard. Um, I also really appreciate the fact that uh, he had to wrestle with. So that obviously there's, again, a trope of having a being a black male in America and not knowing your father. Right. Well, mm -hmm. Dr. Hart made a lot of progress. You know, he's doing all this stuff in his life and then realized he now was a statistic because there was he had a son out there, right? So mm -hmm. he had to start wrestling with that. And that is just such, it was such a very uh, convicting and moving book. So again, helping dismantle a lot of um, stigmas and perceptions. Um, but lastly, and I think this is, uh, I wouldn't say the most important, but the one I would recommend the most is uh, Dear White Christians by Jennifer Harvey. So this is a white woman who spent a lot of time um, interacting and immersed within the uh, the black uh, black church community. Um, so she's not writing from like a very removed or armchair position, but um, mm -hmm. discussing the ideas of reconciliation within communities. But her big thesis is that you can't have unity, you can't reconcile until you actually repent of what issues there are right so you know christians especially say you know hey we just need to be able to come together all this stuff and you know uh, i i love how uh lecrae puts it you know they say cray you so divisive shouldn't be a black church i say do the math segregation started that first right so it's just this idea that you know christians want to you know have this unity but then we forget you know the only reason a black church even exists is because they weren't allowed in the white churches so we have to be able to repent from all that. We have to be able to actually acknowledge that and move, not only move away from it, but we have to make reparations. Mm -hmm. White people hate that word. Uh, we have to make <laughs> reparations uh, for what we've done before we can actually have reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share those, uh, those resources there. Um, but honestly, the most uh, influential things in my life have just been spending time and listening to my my black friends who have been willing to take the time to do that, um, even when I've made mistakes and they've had to correct me. Um, nothing will ever replace that, right? You can spend all, you can read all the books you want, you know, you can, you know, I don't know, that's just, it's never going to replace actual authentic relationships and true, true intimacy in that regard. So, um, so again, Thank you, Faye, for for joining us for this episode. Um, I mean, I guess this is where I'd normally plug the podcast, but really, I just don't feel like it. So uh, if you just want to know anything more about us, if you've never listened to us before, 
Um, our podcast is about Godzilla movies and theology. Um, we do kind of get into the the deeper ethics, you know, uh, morality, race sometimes as well in these movies. Um, but if you're interested in that, you can just head over to our website called the uh, <laughs> called uh, the website is uh, Um and everything else is on there for you to find. So. Uh, for those of you who have made it to almost this two-hour mark, we appreciate that. And uh, next episode should be out here in a few days. But like we said, we just felt like this was more important. And we appreciate you sticking with us. <laughs>